Yo, man. Boom, Miss Rusty. It's fucking Thursday. You can swear on this, I guess. Uh, I don't know if I told you or not, but I'm going to say fuck, fuck, fuck. So hopefully that's a good way to start it off. And everyone, uh, thank you for being here because it's a good place to be. It's a fucking rad place to be. It's uh, the spot to be. It's the spot. You guys know if you know the spot, that's the spot. So today I'm here. I have another new guest and I'm going to stick with the same tradition of not doing much about doing much of an introduction because I'd rather I only know so much. I don't. Uh, we never met in real life, so I, I want to keep it still. It's like fresh and what I know, what I how I meet him is how you guys hear it. So I'm going to bring him out right now. Make it easy. Right here, right now, Jonathan Powell, how you doing? I'm doing okay, sir. I uh, You don't need to call me, sir. Appreciate I appreciate you letting me on the show. Sure, surely, surely. Yeah, man, it's, it's good to have you on here and be able to... Um, yeah, hear hear your story that you've I've you said you wanted to tell a story. So um it's story time with old Rusty Diamond today. So awesome. So so okay, so you uh so I'm I'm in this Facebook group uh and, and he told me that he has a story that he was in Indianapolis and he's seen much more of Indianapolis than a lot more lot of other people have seen and he has a very unique perspective on it and how about you just start telling me about it start telling okay. me about it. well you know uh, i was homeless i was homeless in the city of indianapolis indiana for 10 years um basically uh i become homeless because of the mental illness um the first time that i was homeless and then the second time I was homeless, it was just financial struggle. Uh, the the third time, the third time I become homeless was just because you know family, my family just didn't give a shit at that point. You know what I mean? Uh, what what do you mean by that? Uh, my my family's like poor. You know they're poor. They're drug addicts. You know they they. I mean, hell, they're damn near homeless themselves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so they just, they couldn't really do nothing for me. You know what I mean? So, um, so then how, okay, okay, so you're there. So it's off and on for 10 years or like, I mean, what are the periods when you're, or is it like pretty much straight for 10 years just for different reasons or how's that work? Uh, I was like, it was like two or three years each time. So, it, but it was a total of like 10 years total. Um, like I was homeless for like two and a half years. And then I, and then I was out of homelessness for like, I don't know, four or five months. And then I fell back into homelessness for another three years. And then, uh, and then I got out of homelessness for like four months. And then I, uh, and then I become homeless again for another three and a half years. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's basically how that went. So, I mean, okay. So you said the first time was because of mental health uh, stuff that was going on. So what? I mean, what's what's that? I mean, so like, how how does that translate to you becoming homeless? How does that happen? Well, you know these these doctors they fed. 
they fed me so much medication, man. I'm telling you, you could kill a horse with it, you know? And uh, it was pretty nuts, bro, because these doctors, man, when you talk to them, they act like they really know what's going on with you. They act like they really know, you know, what, you know, what it, what it is, but they really don't, bro. They straight up, they don't know. They just sure. don't know, you know? Um, they, they just, they're paid to act like they know. <laughs> you know yeah, they mean? do a good job of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, acting these, like they know. These doctors are just drug dealers, bro. They they don't care if you get better or not. They're they're trying to get you hooked on it, right? And, and they're trying to give you a sales pitch to convince you, hey, this stuff's going to work. <laughs> hey, when, yeah. when you come when you come back a month later and you're like, hey, that stuff didn't work. <laughs> they're like, okay. I, they're like, all right, I got something for you. I really got something for you now. <laughs> It's just crazy. So, but here's the nope. thing, though. I, I come to a conclusion that I was, you know, the, those voices, I, I, I was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Oh. Uh, like when I was like, I don't know, 14 or something like that. Um, and like, so how old are you during this at this point? I'm, I'm not today, not, not, not I'm, today, but when you first, when you first ended up homeless. I was like 19 when I first become homeless. So okay. between 2010 to 2020, I was homeless. Okay. And so, okay. So the doctors have you on these different medications. So then what happens after that? Well, I, I was going to say that I, uh, you know, I, I was just a victim of spiritual warfare. You know, that's, that was what's, what was going on when you're hearing voices, that's not your voice. And they're talking about stuff you don't know about <laughs> that you ain't never, you ain't never seen in real life. You, you, you know, nothing about, you know, that that's spiritual warfare, you know? Like, so well, what were you hearing? Dude, we used to talking about all this, like superior concepts and stuff like that, like infiltration, and like uh, infiltration formations, um, you know, infiltration of what? Huh? Infiltration of what? Infiltration as an ancient art is <laughs> an art form, <laughs> for real. Yeah, it's, it was pretty crazy, bro. I, I'm not gonna lie. Like we were talking about formations, like uh, circle formations, square formations, um, horizontal formations, vertical formations um just lots of formations <laughs> we used to talk about that because it can be used in warfare it can be used in um it can be used in uh infiltration <laughs> like land infiltration you know like where you're out you're it, it's kind of like warfare but different <laughs> it's like land infiltration you know like a like a pack of lions like a pack of lions they're trying to infiltrate these gazelles you know, uh, right. <laughs> something like that, you know, because because those lions, they move in formation. I don't know if you know that, but uh, yeah, they they move in formation. One guy, one of the lions flushes them out and the other one uh, chases them down. And, and, and you got the other guy waiting on the waiting on the gazelle to come out the uh, the prairie to uh, to get his ass. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So then. Okay, um, so, I mean, what, what, uh, 
what were you doing with this knowledge? I mean, was this knowledge coming in and they play with anything or, I mean, the stuff that you're learning and you're talking about, is it, or is it well, just brewing the, in your head? The knowledge was so superior and so interesting. What? It was very captivating. You know what I mean? It was very intriguing. It really piqued my intellect. Um, and it was like, it got to the point, bro, to where it was addictive to talk to them. It was addictive to talk to these, these, these voices. And I, I used to, the first three years I was homeless, I used to walk around downtown Indianapolis talking to fucking voices, bro. <laughs> I'm for real. And, and, it, and I, and that's what I chose to do. That's what I wanted to do. I would literally remove myself away from everybody else so that, so that I could go talk to these voices. <laughs> So, like hey, you human you humans are stupid <laughs> and, so was this I'm, out loud huh was this out loud then that you were talking it, it got to that point yeah it originally it started up here in my mind uh -huh. no, let's back up let's back up originally i started talking to the voices only in my dreams okay and then i started talking to them at nighttime when i would be laying down and then I started talking to them while I was at school, <laughs> you know, while I was in school, you know, and then I yeah. started talking to them all fucking day <laughs> out loud, you know, not, not just in my head, but also out loud. Um, so it was a slow progress of inviting them into my mind, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the more you talk to them, the more in tuned with the frequency of your of your uh of your mind you know your your mind has a certain frequency of energy and sure. uh the more the more you communicate with these voices the more in tuned they are with the frequency of your mind and the more the more they've infiltrated your fucking mind <laughs> with with their entity of communication you know, they, oh. they, you know, e even to this day, I can still hear them at nighttime when I lay down, but si si similar to, to similar to artificial intelligence. It, it, whereas the more, you know, the more you, you interact with it, the more in tune it gets with you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see, I can see where you can connect. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying now. Um, for sure. For sure. But, uh, so like at nighttime, the demons come out. So what do you mean? The demons come out, the demons, they come from darkness. So when at, at nighttime, they come out in the dark time, at where are nighttime, they showing up? Huh? Where are they showing up? Where they 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 speak to you while you're asleep so that they can influence your subconscious so when you're asleep at night they actually communicate to you while you're asleep as a form of hypnosis and it is a form of influence to your subconsciousness so that they can influence your decisions that you make during the daytime you know what i'm saying yeah so and, were those they, voices it's, different it's than not, what were those voices different than the ones that you were experiencing before? 
Um, or were they one and the same? Dude, I've had so many. Okay, imagine watching a a TV show, right? Okay. And there's there's all these endless different episodes of this TV show, right? So yeah. I've had like a hundred, maybe two hundred different TV shows going on in my mind with like endless different episodes per each TV show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause so, I but it, it's it's like it's like a saga of just endless uh conversations that we that that we previously had. And uh, you know, so it's it's pretty crazy. So I I'll tell you this. Let, check this out, bro. The reason why I stopped talking to the voices was because I had to make a choice, bro. I had to make a choice. Am I going to sit here and talk to these voices all day? Or am I going to go get food, shelter, and water and take a shower? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to make a choice, bro. Because that shit was so captivating. The, the superior intellect shit, you know... Uh, it's superior to anything that I've ever heard or experienced here in the real world. That shit is so addictive to sit there and communicate and to, uh, and to learn about this stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's very addictive. And it's like, uh, and my dreams were the same way, bro. All of my dreams I used to have, they were like very, very real. Like, bro, I'd be experiencing, like, really powerful power and shit. And I would wake up in, like, a puddle of fucking sweat. Like, like bro, that, that shit was, like, it was, like, it was, like, it was real. You know what I'm saying? It was, like, experiencing a different reality in a different body in a, at a different time. Uh, it wasn't like a dream, you know? <laughs> Dreams are, like you know that was a dream, you know what I'm saying? But no, this was real, bro. (laughs) I I can't explain how, but it was fucking real. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then, uh, okay, so like, are you remembering this stuff? Are you remembering what you've talked about? Could you put it into words or be able to, you know, talk about it with other people or write it down or anything like that? Well, uh, I don't really want to get into the dreams, bro, because I'm we we could make a hundred episodes about that. But I do want to say that when I when I when I stopped talking to the voices, it was self realization. It was about getting my priorities in check. You know what what was important to me, and I'm a big guy. I I, I weigh three hundred and fifty pounds, and I'm gonna be honest. It was the food. You know, do I want to go get food, try to get shelter and, and, you know, take a shower and all that stuff? Or do I want to sit here talking to these damn voices all day? Yeah. You know, so I, I made a choice and I chose the food and I'm happy with that decision <laughs> because no. I also got peace of mind and my sanity, bro. I'm not going to lie, bro. There's been times in my life where I had to fight for my own sanity. And that is a scary fucking feeling, bro. 
it's like it's like fighting for life or death. It's like fighting for your freedom, bro. It's like it's like fighting for your kid's life. You know what I mean? Like like it's it, it's for real, bro. Fighting for your sanity, being a being being a it's like being a caged animal in your own fucking mind. You know? Nope. Imagine just imagine this, bro. Imagine sitting there saying, hey, shut the fuck up talking to me, to these voices. And they just keep talking to you, keep talking to you, keep talking to you. And they they didn't like, they did not like that I stopped talking to them. So they they really hit me with the big dog shit, you know what I'm saying? Where they would just fucking just all day long just... <laughs> they wouldn't shut up, bro. They would not shut the fuck up. And I would, I would, it would get to the point to where I'd have to say it out loud. Hey, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it is crazy, bro. It's nuts. But, um, you know, what happened then? Well, when, um, when you would say shut the fuck up, when I, when I would say it out loud, you know, it was like, that was, that was more, that was more effective than me saying it in my mind. Um, but anyways, that, that, that's kind of the mental illness kind of part of what I was going through, but I, I, I want to cover a lot of other stuff in regards to the homelessness. Like, so I, I used to panhandle from like seven days a week, the same corner, same hours a day, every day. And I had regulars. Like, like, reg I had people that would come by, you know, they, they would give me the same amount of money every day. <laughs> they, they'd give me the same amount of money every day. I had some people, they'd give me the same amount of money every Friday because they got paid on Friday. Um, I had some people, they would, uh, they would only give me food. They'd never give me money, you know, uh, in, until they got to know me. A after people get to know me, see, this, this is why I would, you know, 95% of the homeless community, they're on drugs. They're on alcohol. They're on shit like that, you know. I wasn't on drugs. I was one of the 5% that was not on any kind of drug, not on alcohol, nothing. I, I, I didn't even smoke cigarettes, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was a very exceptional homeless person. In fact, a lot of people used to accuse me. They used to accuse me of not being homeless. <laughs> and that's that's how strong homelessness is stereotyped. You know, they they stereotype homeless people as drug addicts. They're all drug addicts and and they all they all don't want to work. And that's a damn lie. That's a stereotype. You know? 95%. And, uh, what you drinking, brother? Drinking coffee. Okay. Uh, my my SpongeBob SquarePants mug that I use every day. It's my my favorite mug, uh, someone that's listening got it for me. So uh, I, I love this mug. So, yeah. Awesome. Wanted, awesome. Yeah. Throw that out well, there. Here's here's a cheers to the to the cause, you know, uh, educating sure. people about homelessness. Uh -huh. So. Um, so, OK, so you're saying 95 percent of the people. Uh, is, I mean, where does that statistic come from? Is that your observation or is that a statistic pulled from that, that that's not a statistic that you can find on google or nothing like that 
that's coming from somebody that's been out here for 10 years on the streets. And I'm just telling you from sheer experience, it's yeah. about 95%. Now, now I could get into, now I, I would say 65%, maybe 75% of those people are on hard drugs, you know, real hard drugs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but so I, I just want to say this real quick. There, there was this guy now, like, like I said, I, I was not on any kind of drugs the whole time I was homeless. So I, I kind of used to look, look down on the, on the drug addict, homeless people. I, I used to feel like I was better than them. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know that sounds fucked up, but I, I used to feel like that. Okay. Well, I started to get to know this one guy, and he was a heroin addict, a hardcore, full-blown heroin addict, bro. And he had been a heroin addict for years, okay? So I asked him. Now, I, I knew he was a good person because I got to know him that well. You know what I'm saying? So one, there was one day he come back, and he said he made $175 panhandling. I said, well, bro, I, I haven't made anything all day. I said, is there any way you could loan me five bucks or something so I can get something to eat, right? He, he said, bro, I, I would, but I can't. I, I gave all my money to the dope man. That's what he said. I said, uh, I said well, damn. I was like, man, you ain't got $2 or $1 or 50 cents. You ain't got nothing. <laughs> he's like, he's like, bro, I ain't got nothing, bro. I said, uh, oh, uh, he said, he said, hold on. He said, hold on, wait here. I'll scrape up 10 or 15 bucks real quick to buy you something to eat. Right. And I, I was wearing a shirt that was very ripped. It had a big ass rip in it. And I, I can't remember how it got ribbed. I had a tent out in the woods, a tent that I was sleeping in. And I think that I had ripped it on a tree branch or something like that coming out of my coming out of the, the walkway that gets to my spot where I was sleeping. Um, so my shirt was ripped. Okay. So okay. he sits there. He asks every person that was walking by if they if they could spare any money to get me something to eat. And he asked. I mean, probably 200 people in like 30 minutes until he finally got the money to buy me something to eat. So, he, so as soon as he gets the money, he says, Hey bro, I got something. Let's go. And I walk across the street to steak and shake downtown Indianapolis. And he buys me something to eat there in steak and shake. And he says, is that the only shirt you got? And I was like, I was like, yeah, that, that's the only shirt I got right now. Um, you know, and he goes, well, I'll, he said, he said, I, I have an extra T-shirt in, in my book bag. Right. And he gave, and he gave me a T-shirt and he bought me something to eat. Was this guy your size? Or somewhere around it? Bigger bigger than, okay. He was bigger than me. But uh, so this, this moment in my life was a real eye opener, bro. I never look at drug addicts the same ever. I'll, I'll never look at drug addicts the same, bro. 
this guy was biologically enslaved to heroin, the strongest drug on the fucking planet. But the kindness, the goodness inside of him, the goodness and the godliness inside of him was stronger, was stronger than his addiction to heroin. That shit changed me. That, that, that really changed my perception on drug addict homeless people. Because even though he was homeless, he has nothing. Even though he was a hardcore heroin addict, he still had the kindness and the goodness inside of him to help out someone else. And that, that, that was powerful, bro. That, that was powerful experience for me. It was an eye opener, you know? And all right, I'll tell, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another really powerful experience. So it was like the third or fourth year. Like, like I said, I was homeless for 10 years. Well, it, it was like the third or fourth year that I was homeless. That I, I started to realize a lot of these homeless people have really good skills, like very great talents and skills and shit, like way, way more skills than I had. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this guy, he's like, he's like, I'm a certified whatever mechanic. I was like, okay. And he's like, he said, he said that this certification means that he can fix anything, anything with the engine. He said airplanes, uh, air conditioned units, cars, trucks, anything that has an engine, he can fix it. That, that's what his certification meant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I sat there and, uh, and I was like, I was like, bro, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why the fuck are you homeless? <laughs> you know what I mean? He was like, he's like, he's like, bro, it's a real long story. And, uh, and you know, and there, and there was these people. I want to I check this out. Because sometimes, you know, it's just like being in jail. You know, sometimes people say stuff and you, you just don't believe them, you know, because you're in jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So there was this one guy in particular, and I'm not going to say his name, but he was a four-star drummer. And he was actually previously in a famous band. Okay. First, it was nas a nationally famous band. No. First, it was a locally famous band. Not, not in this state, but it was locally famous. And then it became a nationally known band. Okay. Uh so this guy, now I, I told him, okay, let, let's back up. Let's back up. On the streets, they used to call me merch for merchandise. What because all the whole, all these homeless people, they steal a lot of shit. They steal a lot of fucking shit because they're drug addicts, you know? They, they need drug money, right? Right. So I, I decided, I decided to buy their merchandise that they stole and resell it. You know what I mean? So I, I started being the merch guy. Everybody was like, Hey, merch, you got any money merch? And they, they, they would show me their merchandise in their book bags and, and we would negotiate and, 
<laughs> we had I had a blast doing that uh, for I, I actually ended up getting a few flea market booths. Um, so I, I have some resale experience to say the least. Um, but anyways, so back to what I was saying about the. Uh, what was I saying before that? <laughs> you were talking about how you became uh reselling stuff uh for people they called you merch before and, that uh fuck i don't know man all right well anyways my, my point is is that like um oh the the skills that these homeless people have okay that that's what i was talking about all right so like there was a guy he was a four-star drummer right and and like like I said, bro, I there was homeless people telling me all kinds of shit, bro. I I, I didn't believe anything they fucking said. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Unless I see it with my own two eyes, bro, I'm not believing shit they were saying. You know that's how I looked at it. So this guy, he begs me, he fucking begs me to give him some uh, drumsticks, drumsticks, and a fucking five-gallon bucket drum or no uh, a five-gallon bucket he wanted a five-gallon bucket and some drumsticks now i had i had a whole storage unit packed with merchandise <laughs> for real for real <laughs> you have enough so, money to pay for a storage unit with that with the well, merch I used, to, I used to make 60 to 90 dollars a day panhandling Plus, I used to make uh, all the food you could possibly fucking eat. <laughs> How'd you make the food, bro? They they would come out of their they would come out of these restaurants with like leftovers, and they they would bless me with the leftovers. And if I asked for food, I'd say, "Excuse me, miss, is there any way you could buy me something to eat?" And I would look at them dead in their eyes with with sincerity you know, seriousness. And, and, you know, I would say half the time they, they would, they would buy me something to eat. They, they would go in a restaurant and they buy me something to eat. They'd bring it out. I, I, I could even tell them exactly what I wanted <laughs> and then they got it for me. You know, closed mouths don't get fed. If you're a panhandler or you, you know, if you're a panhandler and you just sit there holding that sign you're a fucking idiot, okay? You got to smile. You got to wave. You got to give compliments. You got to talk to people about the weather and about the ball games, you know, and all that shit. You got to jazz them up. You got to give people a reason to want to help you. People will see you on the corner hang with that damn sign. They're, they're thinking, oh, well, this motherfucker's too lazy to work, and they're looking for a handout. They're probably on drugs. <laughs> that, that that that's just the stereotype that they that they go by. You know what I mean? So you have to show them, hey, I'm not on drugs. You got to show them, hey, I'm a good person, and you got to show them, hey, I want some food. <laughs> yeah. right? So, and uh, another thing is, if if you have a catchy sign, that helps. But you have, this is absolutely important. You have to look homeless. If you're a homeless person 
and you're trying to look as nice as you can possibly look, you're a fucking idiot. You better tear some holes in them clothes. You better throw some dirt on that face, mess up your hair, do whatever you got to do. You want to look as homeless as you can possibly fucking look so that you can make the big bucks. <laughs> and that, oh shit. And that is, that's how, that's how it's done. I got to move my chair. Okay. So, I mean, in essence, you were uh, playing a part. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if you're you're kind of amping it up to be able to, for the benefit of, you know, getting more money or more more food or whatever, I mean, you're kind of playing up the, playing up the, I don't know, playing up, you know, kind of what you really are. At the well, point. Here, here, here's the thing: when you're on the streets. And you're desperate, and you know desperation, it comes down to this. Either you're going to starve or you're going to fucking eat. You can bet your ass, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I got to do to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I've, I've lied to people for, for food. I have... Uh, like what? I used to tell people... Yeah, my, my mom's dying of cancer and all this and that. I'm, bro, I've told every lie you could possibly think of to people while I was homeless just to give. Bro, here, let me, let me tell you something. People are very greedy. They're very selfish. Imagine yourself. Just envision yourself sitting on a corner with a sign. And they have these conventions, these ball games, you know. Imagine 20,000 people, 20,000 people walking past you and they pretend that you're invisible. You know, they, they won't even look at you. You say hello, you say hi, how's it going? And guess what? They don't even look at you. They, they, they don't even respond to you, okay? Like, like, like you're not even a person. And then I want you to, I want, I want you to imagine yourself, 20,000 people just walk past you and not one of them, not even one of them would give you a fucking dollar. 20,000 people walk past you. Not one of them gave you a penny. Not one of those 20,000 people gave you a nickel. Didn't even give you a dime. They didn't even give you a fist bump or a high five. They didn't even give you no advice. They didn't listen to your problems. They didn't ask you how your day was. Nothing. They don't give a fuck, bro. Greed. It's greed, selfishness, and, and, and self-centeredness. And, and it it give it, bro. I'll tell you right now, it's a real eye-opener. It, it it it'll it'll make your whole brain explode. Seeing how greedy and selfish and self-centered these fucking people are. It, it, it'll fuck you up, bro. It, it, it'll really fuck you up. <laughs> it, it used to fuck me up. Like, what do you mean it used to? 
I mean, you, you just get used to it. After time, you just get used to it, you know? It, it's a very morbid, very morbid perception, but it humbles you. You know, the word humble is associated with the word humility. And if you don't know, if you don't know humility, you'll never be humble. You have to know humility. You have to be, you have to be humiliated in order for you to know humility. Okay. There are certain cultures here, here on the world today. These are like third world countries, you know. When when the kids in the village, when they become a certain age, I think it's like eight years old or ten years old or something like that, all the adults in the village, they all take turns beating the hell out of that kid with a they they tie the kid to a tree, okay, and they beat the kid with bamboo. <laughs> and this is supposed to be a celebration, by the way. <laughs> Fuck I but uh they all take they all take turns beating the hell out of this kid with bamboo while he's tied up to a tree. Okay. And the whole village, the whole village is sitting there watching this while it happens. And and this culture does this to teach them humility. Now, let me explain something about the psychology behind this. It is that if you are not humiliated, and if you don't know humility, then you only know how big you are to the rest of the world. But you are actually a very, you need to know how small you are in this big world. Because if you're not reminded how small you are in this big world, you're walking around with a head the size of the fucking Eiffel Tower, and sure. you're thinking that you're really fucking important, but really you're fucking not. You're, you're thinking you're a big somebody, but really you're a fucking nobody. So if, if you humble yourself, it puts you in your place, and it shows you who it shows you how big you are to everyone else, which is a really small fucking fly. On a fucking elephant's ass. <laughs> you know well, what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, so if, I mean, people, if they don't know that, if they don't know how small and insignificant they are, what's, what happens then? If, if they never, never fucking shit their pants in front of a bunch of people, metaphorically speaking. Well, I would say they need to they need to learn humility some way or another. You know, I I used to sit there and I would have, you know, like let, let's say one day. I mean, out, out of every day, it seemed like always once a day this would happen. Some fucking asshole would come up to me and say, hey. You lazy bum, get a fucking job. <laughs> At least once a day, somebody would say that. And there was a lot of jealousy. Lots, lots of jealousy. In what? The other homeless people were very jealous of me. Like Why I said, that? I always had money in my pocket. 
I would always buy merchandise off of them. I would sell the mer I would sell the merchandise that I bought to make even more money. They they were jealous, bro, because I was off drugs. I never did drugs. Um, I would even go out of my way to encourage them to get off drugs. <laughs> they 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 was really there was just a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy. Um, you know, um, I you know. You know, it's like, so like us people that were homeless for many years, chronically homeless, we we knew everything. We knew all the good places to get free food. We knew all the good places to get free clothes. We knew all the good dumpsters. Now, dumpster diving for merchandise, it's a very lucrative business. And a lot, there, a lot of a lot of people do it online. I, 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 that's how I got in back into reselling. I, I watched this guy. Uh, there's a video channel called Treasure Hunting with Jeebus. And uh, he started out, he used to be going and doing dumpster diving videos. And you go to like back of GameStop or Big Five or yeah. um, places yeah. like that and uh, just find tons of stuff ready to go and yeah, make, make, but, bank and eventually i turned into a lot more so yeah and where were you going there's big money in it bro you know there's uh especially the the apartment complexes downtown Ooh. man they they throwing away brand new air force ones just missing a shoestring yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and like someplace so uh at colleges uh you go and you find out where all the international students are and you go there uh in june when they're all getting out of school and because they can't go and bring all the shit that they brought back they just you got like fucking macbooks and stuff and you know all kinds of nice shit in the dumpsters then whenever they're going and flying back for the summer so they you know don't have to that's that's a little spot I know of that where you can find some good stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more. If you rent out of the storage units at storage unit facilities, a lot of times they don't want to have their dumpster dumped more than once or twice a week. So if you talk to the property, if you talk to the manager of the of the storage unit facility, most of the time, if you ask them if you can if you can get stuff out of the trash, they'll say yes. Especially if you're renting there. I used to have a storage unit downtown Indianapolis, and dude, I used to find the best the best merchandise in this dumpster. I mean, it was a lick, bro. <laughs> hey, what were hey. you finding? Well, there. Okay, you know, during the COVID shutdowns. Yeah, familiar. So a lot of the businesses downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, they they went out of business. So a lot of those businesses used to rent from the same facility that I used to rent from, the one downtown. And uh, whenever those businesses went out of business, a lot of their overstock from the storage unit that they were renting from that facility it wound up in the trash. So I sat there 
And bro, I used to make a gang of money. Like, 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 let's say my, my storage unit bill was like $50 a month. I used to make like $180 a month just, you know, grabbing that stuff out of the trash and reselling it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So are you, are you still doing that? I mean, like, why, why are you not out with uh, your phone and a camera making YouTube videos and doing this all over again? Is this something you don't want to do again or what? What? Be homeless? Well, no, not be homeless, but like go out and uh, start going and like taking your phone while you're going through these dumpsters and showing all the stuff you find to be able to sell um, it and make videos out of it. I don't have a truck and that you, you definitely need a truck and you need you, you at least need a vehicle for sure to transport the merchandise and stuff like that. Um, in the storage unit, you need a storage unit and I, I don't have one right now. Um, and, uh, so that, that's a problem for me, but I also, this is something I've been getting into, which is getting my own free junk, free junk removal business going because like, let, let's say you have some really nice stuff, right? But you don't want it. You want to give it away. You want them to come get it. Well, these these junk removal businesses, they they charge you an arm and a leg just to come get the shit. So let, let's say you got a $2,000 stainless steel refrigerator and you're trying to give it away. These junk removal companies will charge you like 150 bucks to come get it. And now then resell me, it. Well, yeah, they'll resell it. Yeah. But, but me and my free junk removal business will come get your junk for free. <laughs> we, we won't charge you a dime. We'll, we'll come get that thing for free. <laughs> so, what about times where there's nothing that's worth value? Then I won't charge your ass a lot of money. <laughs> well, but I think you don't charge at all. Just depends. <laughs> so okay, so it wouldn't be free removal. Well, you you gotta say free. That way, people call you. <laughs> well, but don't you think they'd be mad when they call and it's not free? When like, well, actually, it's a hundred and twenty bucks to come come by. You don't think they're gonna be upset at that? Well, and see, there's a what junk is and what junk what junk is not. What junk is and what junk is not, that's where the silver lining is. That's where, you know, that that's what really could save me legally. Because, <laughs> look, I'll come get nice junk for free, but I'm not coming to get trash for free. <laughs> so you're asking them for an itemized list of everything that they're going to be giving you before you go out there. Yeah, I I I asked them to send me pictures, and and I also asked them to send me the address. That way, I can see how far away it is, so I know how much gas money it's going to take to get there and back. Right. Um. Yeah. So then, 
So you're you're in need of a truck then to start this or what? What's yeah? I I need a truck. I was using this other guy's truck, but man, I don't like that guy. Man, he's a weirdo. So I I stopped I stopped associating with him. I don't talk to him nothing, bro. Because you know I I just don't like that dude. Uh, I'm not gonna get into it, but you know uh, you know I I just don't associate. I'll I'll get to know somebody long enough to see if they're a good person or not. And if they're a yeah. bad person, hey, guess what? I'm not associating with them. You know? I uh I could tell you this one story. Like so during the COVID shutdowns and all that, I was going through this dumpster. I found 900 Crown Royal bags. Brand new. They were brand new, bro. I, all these crown royal bags there was black ones green ones purple ones uh I, I had all kinds of crown royal bags big ones medium ones small ones you know so i ended up um well we we was gonna make uh face we was gonna make the face masks for the uh covid19 you know sure we was gonna make a uh, face mask out of the crown royal bags and we was going to sell them and we was going to get rich <laughs> right yeah. right but we oh. that that winded up not happening uh but i i did end up making like i think 180 bucks i sold all of the i sold all the face mask and made like 180 bucks selling them by the bulk all all the bags or you made them in yeah. a face mask no not we we didn't we didn't end up making the face masks. Okay. But uh yeah, hey bro, there's there's been a whole lot of situations where I was totally convinced I'm about to get rich. And I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, but dude, it, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean as long as you're hustling, man, like you know, maybe it's just not not the right thing. I mean, some yeah, something will happen. So you'll get the right one eventually, man. Like, uh, you're not going to fucking figure it out on your first try around. You know, yeah. uh, how many fucking businesses I've had that have fucking failed? How many businesses have had that have been successful? Like, you know, just this fucking, yeah. it's a, it's a crapshoot. You don't know what's going to fucking work until you do it. But if you don't do it, you're not going to fucking have the experience to make the next one better. Exactly. The same shitty fucking one over and over and over. Yep. But so, so that what what are you doing now then? What what's going on now with your your life? Well, I'm I'm trying to educate people about homelessness. Uh, how so? Because, huh? How so? Well, I mean the the average person knows absolutely nothing about homeless people. What the the challenges that homeless people face on a day to day basis. And uh, some of the reasons that people become homeless, like uh, drug addiction, uh, immigrant. Now, I, I don't know if you know this, but like, so like there's like immigrants that come from other countries. I, I know an African guy and it took him nine years, nine years to get the proper identification from his home country so that he could be a U.S. citizen. It took him nine years. That was nine years he couldn't get a job. Nine years that he couldn't, he couldn't get a, a, 
a driver's license. That was nine years he couldn't get food stamps. You know, you you can't do nothing without identity, without right. identification. You know, so it was like, uh, you know, it's it, it it's crazy, bro. Like, you know, there's there's all these homeless people stealing from homeless people. That that's a huge epidemic right now. Um, you know, you got mental illness, drug addiction, uh, immigrants not getting treated right by the government, veterans, a lot of veterans that, that were like in combat duty, you know, like uh, active combat duty, bro, those people come back fucked in the head. <laughs> I, I, I've known a lot of them, bro. I, I've known a lot of them. And they, they really are fucked in the head. And uh, And then there's like a whole bunch of people that like, if if you're financially dependent on your spouse and then tomorrow your spouse wants a divorce, <laughs> bro, you're homeless. You're going to wind up homeless, bro. A lot of people, a lot of people are only two paychecks away from being homeless. But but they don't they don't look at it like that. You know what I'm saying? If if you're financially dependent on your parents and then all of a sudden your parents say, hey. We don't want you here no more. Get the fuck out. Boom. Now you're homeless. You see? Yeah. Home, homelessness is a very stereotyped concept. If you have a million dollar Ferrari and you're sleeping in your Ferrari, technically you're homeless because you don't own a home. <laughs> right? So you... You might you might be sleeping on your mom's couch, but your mom is a billionaire. Technically, you're homeless because you don't own a home. <laughs> and I know this sounds crazy, but there's different types of homelessness. You got domestic homeless people. You got non-domestic homeless people. See, I I used to sleep, I used to sleep under bridges and and in tents you know, outside. So I, I, I was non-domesticated for seven years out of that 10 years that I was homeless. So it, it took me a year because like I, I've been out of homelessness now for two years. So it, it took me a year and a half to become domesticated again. It's like, it's like when people come out of prison, let, let's say you did 20 years in prison and you come out to society, they have to transition you back into society. They have to train you. They have to condition you back to the ways of society and the way that society is ran. Okay. Now it's, it's the same thing with homeless people. Bro, if you've been homeless 10 years and now all of a sudden you want to get a house and you want to be a normal person, you have to go through a transitional period. A, you have to be conditioned back into the ways of society. Like household etiquette. Bro, I didn't know what that was, bro. <laughs> my, my grandma was sitting there trying... My grandma was trying to explain to me household etiquette. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> a household? What's a house? <laughs> you know what I mean, bro? Like, what was she like, saying? 
She's just saying that, like, if you got mud on your shoes, you take your shoes off at the door. Duh. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's all really kind of kind of like self-explanatory stuff. Yeah. But at, at the time, it, it, it seemed like a foreign language. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. So then... Uh... Uh, so with, with clothing, you said you had, you know, yeah, like what, what, one shirt, one, one of everything, one, one shirt, one jacket, one pair of pants, one pair of underwear, one pair of socks. What, like, what would you have when I was home the time? Yeah. Um, bro, I, I used to have a whole storage unit with clothes. <laughs> I used to have all kinds of merchandise, clothes, uh, Bro, I had more self. I had a whole drawer full of cell phones. <laughs> whole drawer full of cell phones, bro. <laughs> For real, brother. I I know some homeless people. Hey, look, you're not gonna believe this, bro. I bought a three thousand dollar carbon fiber uh, aluminum alloy bicycle, bro. It was a racing bike for one, and and the guy. He was a drug addict. You know, he stole this bike, right? It was brand new, bro. I mean, it was nice. He said, bro, you're not going to believe this. He said, feel how, he said, feel how light this bike is, right? Uh, he was like, I was like, how much you want for it? He said, 15 bucks. Woo! I, 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 I look, bro, I reached in my pocket so quick. <laughs> right? No, I grabbed no need the 15. to negotiate. Yeah, I, I gave him the $15. He said, hold on, bro. Hold on. Before, before you give me that money, feel how light this bike is, right? So I said, okay, okay. So I, I picked the bike up. This, this bike was so fucking light. It only weighed like six pounds. And I was amazed. I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, oh shit. So I gave him 20 bucks, right? So uh it was crazy, bro. And I, I ended up selling that bike for like two or three hundred dollars. And that's a steal of a deal. That that was like three thousand dollar bicycle, bro. It's crazy. Like and like uh so so uh dude, I hey during the COVID during the no it was it was during the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. Same. Well, I was that huh? So is that like when it's like the 2016 or is this like during COVID? The Black Lives Matter movement was, wasn't in 2016. Sure it was. And then it went away until there was election coming, but it was, yeah. So it was around then. What? Yeah. That's when yeah, it happened? Well, it all happened when the... Bureau of Land Management started getting a really bad name, coincidentally, which has the same initials as that. Sort of like the when you type in Frozen Disney, um, they made a movie because the hits were uh, so there were some people searching because there was the thing about Walt Disney being frozen. They didn't want to have people searching that term as much anymore so that they would get the results to be 
this movie called Frozen by Disney. But and sa- same with Karen, uh, the term Karen. There is this group of I think it's Southeast Asian people. I could be wrong on that one, but they they uh, there was a whole bunch of issues going on at the time um, with the, the Karen speaking people. And then that is when the term Karen came out and became so it's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know that that's that's my theory on this stuff. They all just happen to coincidentally happen around the same time. But that's a different story, different podcast. Um, So then, I mean, so did you ever have any issue with the police with receiving and selling stolen materials or? I I have. Yes, I have. So what happened there? So like I I actually had a I bought this this is when the iPhone 9 the iPhone 9 was the newest iPhone out, right? Okay. Well, I had I had bought this off a drug addict for like 15 bucks. And he he was very paranoid, very paranoid about the uh the tracking device that's in it cuz they they got like pinpoint accuracy on these tracking devices. Yep. Find my iPhone. So I I bought I bought the cell phone from him, and I I only had it like one day. You know what I mean? Like that I I just had it one day, and I was walking, and this guy walks up to me, and he's got a different cell phone in his hand, and he's like, and he goes, and then he 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 was looking at his cell phone, and then he looks up at me, and he goes, bro, you you got my cell phone. I said, no, I, I ain't got no cell phone, sir. And I, I just kept walking, you know. And he keep he he kept following me, you know. And uh and he's like, bro, you you got my cell phone, man. He said, You're you're gonna have to give me my cell phone back, bro. I was like, man, I, I ain't got no cell phone, sir. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> right? <laughs> so so then uh I go in a steak and shake. And I say, hey, look, dude, you're going to have to stop following me or or I'm going to call the police. He said, he said, don't worry. He said, don't worry. I'm going to call the police because you're going to give me my cell phone. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then, uh, I was up in Steak and Shake. Now, I, I ate Steak and Shake every day for a year and a half. I used to eat at Steak and Shake every day for a year and a half. So all the waitresses. And the manager and, and all these other people they that worked there, they all knew my first name. I, I knew their first name. You know, they, they used to love me. I used to sell merchandise to them. <laughs> For real. Sure. So, so I uh I was in steak and shake. Okay. A few a female a female police officer, she arrives at steak and shake. She walks up to me, she goes. Give me the phone. So I, I give her the phone. She gives the phone to the guy. She says, you, you got two chances to unlock to unlock the phone. She said, we'll give you two tries to unlock the phone. If you unlock it, the phone's yours, right? She said that to the guy that was stalking me, harassing me. So he gets it unlocked the first try. <laughs> right and uh so she she gives him the phone and i 
I only took a $10 loss, but it really hurt my pride. It hurt my pride as a resale guy to buy something and not, not be able to resell it. So that, that kind of fucked with me. <laughs> I was pretty yeah. fucked up about that. So then so, what happened? So you got the well, phone back and what? I, I stopped buying iPhones. <laughs> you get in trouble? You didn't get in trouble for that? No, you no. Give it back. Well, she she was gonna take me. She was gonna take me to jail, but my waitress and the manager they both vouched that I was a very active resale guy. So uh, she she said she said if if she ever had to come back, she said if she ever got any calls about me doing stuff like that again, she'd take me to jail. But they let me go that one time. That was the only experience you ever had with run-ins with the cops the whole time you were well, homeless. No, no, I, yeah. I had a, I've had a lot of lot of you know encounters with the police. Like what? Well, there's been like four or five times that. You know, somebody pulled a knife out on me, tried to stab me. I had this one guy, he cut down my tent. He took a knife, like a razor blade, and he cut down my tent. You know, uh, because I, I didn't I didn't want his, I didn't want his tent right next to mine. You know, we I was under a bridge and I had I was in a tent, and this guy, this random homeless guy, which I had been homeless for many years, so like he he was a homeless person I had never seen before, so that was strange. And yeah. he was a homeless person that I, I I never talked to. I never talked to that guy. So I was I, you know it was kind of strange. It was strange of him to like want want to pop up his tent like right next to mine. You know I'm like nah. I was like man I I, I would appreciate it if you go to the bridge down the street. You know, I, I, I would rather have this spot to myself because I, I, I honestly, dude, I, I don't know you, you know? Yeah. And he, he got, he got very offensive, you know, he got very offended and it, and, uh, so like later on that night while I was sleeping, just out of the blue, whoosh, 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 and he cut down my fucking tent, bro, while I was sleeping. So I hop up, I get out of my tent, I'm like, bro, what the fuck? Right. right. And, uh, and he's like, he's sitting there telling me he was going, he said he was going to stab me and beat me up and all this shit, you know? Um, so I said, okay, I'm calling the police. <laughs> sure. I, bro, I, I called the police. You know what the police tells me? Hey, look, huh. we, we can't do nothing. You guys, you homeless people always get into it. He said, "We're we're not gonna we're not gonna take him to jail. We're we're not gonna do nothing." And that's the thing. That's interesting. These police are all about money. They see two poor people getting into a big fight. Guess what? Nobody goes to jail. You know why? Because those poor people they don't have money for bail. They don't have money for commissary. They don't have money for court fees. And those poor people cannot make the judicial 
enterprise, corporation, money. Now, if it was a middle-class person and a poor person, they would take that middle-class person to jail because the middle-class person's got money. I actually know a guy. Uh, dude, there, there's endless, endless circumstances. I, oh, let me let me tell you this one thing, bro. Look, so this this was with the police. So I'm sitting there, and I was panhandling, and this guy, he had a really nice outfit on. He walks up to me. He goes, hey, you want to make some money? I say, yeah, I want to make some money. You know, what's up? He said, do you got an ID? I said, yes, I do. He said, all right, let's go. So he had a really good story, a really good pitch. You know what I mean? And he, he wanted me to cash this check, okay? Supposedly, he was here on a job, like a job site, and he was doing all this work, but he was from a different state, and he, he had left his wallet in the other state or whatever. So he didn't, he didn't have an ID. So he uh -huh. wanted to sign his payroll check over to me to cash his check, right? Yeah. So it was like a $2,500 check. So yeah. he's sitting there in a brand new car, brand new outfit. He was, you know, look, looked like he had a lot of money, right? So I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I mean, I, sure. Because he, he was going to give me like $300 out of that $2,500 check, right? So the first red flag that I that I I I noticed was that they were picking up multiple homeless people. It was me and two other homeless people. I mean, that was a red flag right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But then there was another red flag, which is where whenever he whenever he handed me the check, it had my name on it and everything, bro. So they they had to have had the payroll printing machines to print the checks. You know what I'm saying? Like like they had the actual payroll machine, and it's like a twenty thousand dollar, it's like a ten thousand dollar machine, twenty thousand dollar machine. It's very expensive. A payroll a, a payroll printer machine. So like yeah, and they they had my name on it and everything, like like as if I had worked for that company or something. So that was a red flag too. <laughs> so uh, what I did was I was very desperate for money. And, you know, the guy, the guy reassured me everything was okay, whatever. Um, so I, I ended up cashing the checks, you know, I cashed like four checks or whatever. Well, I, I ended up facing 10 years in prison over this bullshit. Over cashing those checks, so I was. And he gets away scot free, huh? And he gets off scot free. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't know what ended up happening with him because he, he, he didn't get caught the time that I was in jail or whatever. So did he, he was, get the twenty five hundred bucks each time? Yeah, but he he gave me three hundred dollars out of each check. So he's walking away with twenty two hundred bucks three times and you're walking away at 900 bucks and then you get in trouble and he gets away. No problem. Well, well, what, what had happened was, is I was in a courtroom, right. In that same, in that same jail, 
there was like 30 other people in there for the same charge doing the same thing with the same people, 30 other wow. people. And, and they were all homeless. They, they were all fucking homeless people. These people were preying on homeless people to cash bad checks. So that $10,000 machine was just a fucking drop in the hat. Exactly. Shit. And I, these, these, uh, these detectives, these detectives told me that they were a part of a check forging ring, ring or whatever, going state to state to state doing this. Right. Yeah. So I, I sit there and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I'm like, whoa. And I refused, I refused to snitch on the guys. I refused to. And I'll Why? tell you what, one, one of my, one of my grandpas was like a cop for like 20 years. So I call him up and I'm like, Hey, I, I want some legal advice. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. And he goes, he said, hold on, I'll call you back in 15 minutes, right? He calls me back in 15 minutes. He said, there's a double jeopardy law. And this, this is not the double drop. This is not the double, double jeopardy law that you're thinking of. It's a different one. If a pimp and a prostitute get arrested at the same time, if the pimp is not convicted, then the whore cannot be convicted neither. If a pimp and a prostitute are arrested at the same time, if the if the prostitute is not convicted, then the pimp cannot be convicted neither. And that's the same with gambling, with the gambler and the gambling, uh, the bookies. That's the same with drug addicts and drug dealers. That's the same all across the board. So if, if I'm the person cashing the check in the check forger, if that check forger don't get convicted, I can't get, I can't get convicted neither and vice versa. So also those people had a lot of fucking money, bro. So if they ever get caught, they would have had really, really nice lawyers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> So I, I mean the law, the law and shit of this country, the I mean, the more money you have, the harder it's going to be for you to be convicted. Yep, and and it's like, so I I decided I decided not to snitch on them for those reasons, you know. Um, so I I I didn't snitch on them or nothing. I was sitting in the courtroom. And I was about to sign a year plea, which was like, it was like six months probation, six months house arrest, year total, you know? So I, I was going to sign this plea and I'm reading the plea, you know, the contract, the, the, the plea. And it says, did you knowingly commit this crime? So I, I told the judge, hey, I, you know, what's this mean? You know, whatever. And she's like, did you know that you were committing a crime? I said, no, I, I didn't. I did not know that I was committing a crime. I thought I was doing this guy a favor because he didn't have his ID. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
and also three, three times so well and here here's the three thing. times he didn't have his id <laughs> don't want to check this out also i'm diagnosed with mental illness so i kind of oh. plead i plead the crazy card a little bit <laughs> okay played sure. that card a little bit and i had a really great public defender everybody always <sighs> everybody always talks shit about these public defenders but that's because they don't know how to properly utilize the public defender the public defender could do whatever the fuck you want them to do. You got to tell them exactly what you want them to do. You got to tell them exactly what you want them to say. And you got to ask a lot of fucking questions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so like, and there's this one guy. No, th this has happened to me before. So like, if they spell your name wrong, if they spell the address wrong, if they spell any, fu any fucking thing wrong, as far as your personal information and the basic and general information of your alpha David, the case can be dismissed instantly. All you have to do is mention it to the judge. Hey, hey, judge, my my name's my name's Jonathan. They put an H. They put the H in my name, bro. And my name is spelled J-O-N, not J-O-H-N. So they threw that case out and it was for trespassing. But uh, that that was a separate case, different case. But I I beat that case. Facing ten years in prison, I beat that fucking case, hands down. Everybody else in that jail was signing these pleas and all that shit. Hell no, I beat that fucking case, bro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, okay, so what what was going? I mean. You ever you ever hear that uh that Kevin that Kevin Gates song? He said, "You ever been in a courtroom had to fight for your life?" Yes, I fucking have. <laughs> Ten years in prison, brother. Woo, that'll change you, brother. And I'm not going. <laughs> so okay, uh, couple of quick things. Uh, kind of change the subject. So, uh. In shelters and stuff, do you know what the number one most requested item is? Or what do you think it is? Drugs. Well, for clothing, besides drugs. For clothing? I yeah. would say just the nicest. Because, like, normally, like, at the shelter I was at, they had an entire room where you can go through the room and just pick out what you want. Well, the the nicest stuff always goes 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 the fastest. Sure. Okay. Um, okay. And then the other thing is, how are people going to find you if they want to talk with you or whatever they want uh, to contact you about? How are they going to do that? Um, so I have Facebook, Jonathan Powell, J O N A T H A N P O W E L L. And I have 200, I have 200 Facebook reels. And uh, also, uh, if you want to contact me as far as like me being on your podcast or YouTube channel, IG, uh, anything like that, any, any, any TV station, radio station, anything, I'll be more than willing to do it for free to share my story with the world. Um, and you can contact me at uh, 
John J O N resale R E S E L L at gmail.com. And real quick, I want to cover something is that uh, these shelters, you know, you're thinking, well, these homeless people aren't homeless. They're staying at the homeless shelter. Let me tell you something about that. Those homeless shelters are a fucking joke. They're an insane asylum. They're completely designed to set the homeless people up for failure. Imagine this in your mind. Every five minutes, every five minutes that you're there, hey, you got a cigarette? Hey, you got a lighter? Hey, you want to buy some drugs? Hey, you want to sell some drugs? You got any drugs for sale? Hey, bro. Uh, hey, you got spare any change? Hey, can I use your cell phone? Bro, <laughs> it's fucking nuts in there. You go in the bathroom, you go in the bathroom, they're shooting up in the bathroom, bro. Shooting up drugs. The you, you go in the bathroom and, and there's smoke, and you know, there's a bunch of cigarette smoke, drug smoke. You go in the bathroom and guess what? They're fucking blowing each other for fucking drug money. Yeah. Oh, oh, and here's another thing, bro. The Wheeler mission here in Indianapolis, we call it the Steeler mission. Because all these drug addict homeless people, that's where they go is the Wheeler mission. And guess what? They will steal the shoes right off your freaking feet before you know it. It's crazy, bro. You you can't even you can't even look right and then look left and boom, they done stole your wallet. <laughs> like, like it's crazy up in there, bro. And they Wheeler Mission never they never kick out the people that steal. So if somebody steals your wallet and you go tell on them, you, you tell on you tell on them to the staff, the staff don't do nothing about it. The staff won't do nothing about it. And I'll tell you why. Because it's a conflict of interest. If they kick you out for stealing, then they can't make money off of you. They get $300 a day per each person as a tax write-off. Yeah, it's, it's a huge... In my lifetime, I have seen homelessness become a huge enterprise, a huge corporation. Homelessness is a, a big business now. When I was a kid, when I was a little kid, bro, you couldn't make no, you couldn't make no money off homelessness. You was just an idiot trying to help somebody out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, that 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 was that, you know. But now it's just a huge fucking business for government grants, uh, federal grants, uh, local local government grants. Plus, you get donations, huge donations, big donations, uh, and you, you get all you get all these tax write-offs, huge tax write-offs for a nonprofit or anything like that. And it, if if it's a Christian organization or a, a religious organization, you, you don't you don't have to pay taxes. So they they rake in tens of millions of dollars a year. At the at the Wheeler Mission down here, downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, none of that money goes to the homeless. All of that food that they serve the homeless, guess what? That was donated to them for free. All of the hygiene, all of the clothes, that was donated to the homeless shelter for free. So they don't spend no money on anything. All of that money, all that federal grant money, local grant money, donations, the, the tax write-offs, all that is 
money in the rich man's pocket. Okay, and that that that's the bottom line. And there's all kinds of financial corruption going on with that place. It's I I could really I could actually quote some numbers, but I'm I'm not gonna do that. I'll just say that Bumpus is a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> I, that means right. Bumpus shit. His whole family's a piece of shit. Uh, hold on, let's see. What's his name? Uh, I think what is it, Mike Payne or, anyways, or um, anyways, all these, you know, Mike Mike Pence, and all these. Uh, there there's some political figures that uh they they take their cut of of the Wheeler Mission, uh you know, but they're the Wheeler Mission is stepping on a lot of toes. You see, a lot of businesses, there was a bank right next to the Wheeler Mission. That bank went out of business because of all those homeless people there. Uh, and then there, there's the, the Starbucks on, on, you know, the Starbucks right there on, uh, on Monument Circle. That had to go out of business because all the homeless people there. The homeless people don't want to stay at the Wheeler Mission. We hate it there. And you know why? It's because the staff treat us like shit. The staff treat us like shit at the Wheeler Mission. They talk to us like a fucking dog. Oh, and if you try to say anything, guess what? Oh, you get to sleep outside tonight. You know what I'm saying? And they talk to us like that because let's, let's say we're standing in line, right? Well, the guy in front of me the guy that's in front of me in line, he cusses out one of the staff members, right? Well, then I'm next in line, and I got to talk to that staff member that was just cussed out by the other guy. And that that staff member wants to take it out on me. That staff member's, that staff member's mistreating me now because, because he was just cussed out by another homeless person. You know, and there, there's all kinds of reasons, bro. They look down on us. They think we're all pieces of shit. Like I said, like I said, there's a strong stereotype. They think all homeless people are drug addicts and they're too lazy to work. They're all pieces of shit. That, that, that's the stereotype. And some of those people that work there, here, here's the thing. Those people that work at Wheeler Mission, they are hired help. They are hired help. If they weren't getting paid, they would not be there because they don't give a fuck about the homeless. You know, I, I, don't, I don't give a shit what anybody says on everything. You don't believe me. If you don't believe me about what I'm telling you, go ask the homeless people in this community and they will tell you. They will straight up tell you what's going on. And uh, that, so that's, that's all gonna, that, that, that's all going to come to a head. That's okay. I, I've been exposing them, and I'm going to keep exposing them. So, if if you got one thing to say to everyone that you can end it with, what would you say? What's the one one message you can say about all this to anyone listening? Ladies, if you're not if you're not going down all the way, and if you're trying to use your hands, your hands ain't required for that kind of job. I want my money back. Okay, we'll go with that. All right. Well, 
There you go. So you guys, you heard it from uh, from straight from the source. So, uh, John, thanks for being on, and I'll get this up uh, online here later today. And yeah, I'll uh, yeah, thanks for being on, and uh, everyone, thank you for listening. And yeah, that is the show. Thank you, Rusty. Man. Yeah, you bet, bud.